1: All right, here we are on the heels of Memorial Day weekend, and uh, what a weekend it was at the uh, end of the last show. He said we're going to see Top Gun like the rest of the country, (laughs) and evidently we weren't alone in that regard because it busted the box office wide open. Uh, Best opening for a movie, is it ever? Dennis, or just for Tom Cruise, or what? What was the story?
2: Both, actually, It was the best, the biggest opening for Memorial Day weekend on record. Um, surpassed the Pirates of the Caribbean at World's End by yeah. uh, turning in one hundred and fifty-six million dollars. Wow! So good job for Paramount. But it's also the biggest opening of a Tom Cruise movie ever, um, well, there pulling you go. in. Uh, what did they say? It was his first ever over $100 million opening for Cruise. So he's never broken the $100 million barrier before on well, a tentpole like this. Hard to
1: believe with all the blockbuster movies he's done, Mission Impossible, and God knows what else. But uh, yeah, I mean, congrats. And you know, I thought it was good form. I, I was real excited to see the movie. But when he did that little opening scene... Where right before the movie starts, he came on and gave a little 30-second thing, thanking for everybody to show up at the theaters and and uh, kind of like, hey, welcome back kind of thing. I just thought that was a good way to kick it off, you know?
2: Yeah, I agree. And the movie studios saw that as well. Mm-hmm. There was a lot of articles in the, in the press over the weekend about how Top Gun has basically brought the older generation back to the theater. So it's right. really... I think it's kind of bringing people back out of their houses, back into the theaters and kind of breaking the the, the streak that COVID interrupted. So right. yeah, let's I, hope it continues. I uh, refresh
1: my memory by watching Top Gun on uh, Netflix. Before you actually we, uh, had
2: to watch it you don't have the whole movie memorized like every other listener yeah you
1: know I don't and uh, you know I was I like all right I'll, I'll watch it again they put it up just for Memorial Day weekend on Netflix just for folks like me to refresh our uh, rusty cobwebs when it comes uh, to movies like that and stuff and I remembered a lot of it of course but it, you know cool. it's just good to have it fresh in your memory and then go see the new one and uh, and wow it, it really did it, it made a difference. I think. I mean, I think I still would have loved it even if I hadn't refreshed my memory or even if it's, you know, a young kid who hadn't seen the original. Uh I don't I don't think it would have mattered as far as you enjoying this version of the film, do you think?
2: No, absolutely not. The movie stood on its own, mm-hmm. but I mean it was definitely an homage to the original. I yeah. mean, the storyline, I mean, you, you can't argue the storyline really does parallel a lot of what happened in the original. Right. But with a newer twist, I mm-hmm. and, and I liked it, but it didn't matter i'd have gone to the movie regardless because the aviation scenes in it were in and of themselves worth the cost of admission never mind the rest of the story
1: so true uh it was impressive uh videography or filmography whatever the cinematography proper, there hey, let's we go, go, we'll, that, go we'll go with that yeah it's old school stuff but uh, there was no CGI; those were real fighter jets flying, and it came through. Man, I saw it in one of those like R P X Regal theaters, you know, which is like their version of IMAX and all that, and Dolby Digital, or whatever. And man, that is the kind of movie you want to see in that type of uh, upgraded theater when it comes to the sound and how the the seats rumble and the whole thing. Man, it just added to the whole effect. And how many times? Or I, I can't even remember the last time I saw a movie where at the end of the movie people literally applauded and cheered did you have that in your theater i did it was uh, we didn't
2: but our theater was actually pretty late we went in the middle of the afternoon on saturday so yeah. it was not we didn't go for the imax we didn't have the 4dx or anything like that yeah. um but still people didn't just get up and leave the minute the end you know the credits started to scroll people were you know sticking around hoping to see something else and, yeah you know, I, just I actually kinda taking it in.
1: It, it was interesting at the end of the movie, you know, the final scene, I, I thought it was part of the soundtrack. And then I realized, oh, my gosh, everybody in the theater is applauding and cheering. I was like, when was the last time you saw a movie where that happened? A I long would say pre-2020. Time. Exactly. A long time ago. I don't even remember that for the Pirates of the Caribbean movies. I mean, maybe you know if you went to a uh, you know uh, a one of the opening weekends you could have had it if you had a full theater they might have been some applause and things like that but that was it was just a good feel good uh, you know it just you know you came away with a good feeling overall just being entertained for a couple hours it really was refreshing Compared to a lot of the crap out there.
2: (laughs) Exactly. You know, you couldn't help, but, you know, if if you weren't already a pilot, you couldn't help but not want to become one. You know, it just really, yes, a lot of people are going to say that this is going to jumpstart pilot training or recruitment in the military. And you can't argue that it it won't. Um, But, you know, I'm just proud to be a pilot and see that, you know, it's being portrayed so well. Uh, and, and they were you know pretty realistic with the with how they were setting up some of the scenarios i mean you know they didn 't just you know get in and throw the switches and start up an old airplane on a runway. they actually did the process correctly you know mm-hmm. and had to worry about things like pulling the uh the pins and stuff like that. so they really did not just make it into a you know a comic book movie like a typical Marvel fan, which is you know great action but no realism i think they did a good job of that and i think it really showed
1: i thought it was very interesting i wouldn't have gotten this on the original one but how he, he went around, and he did his uh, run-throughs on the fighter jet, and he uh, literally grabbed hold of one of the bombs, and like, i make sure <laughs> he yanked, gives it a good yank. I don't know if that's the proper technique for a, a walk around when you're looking for those things. But he well, was, I'd
2: rather have it fall on the deck than, you know, go skidding down the runway on a catapult launch. Well, so I'm sure.
1: But yeah, I don't think you'd want that to happen then either, though. But I just thought that was kind of interesting. I mean, that's probably a real thing. I don't know. But just seeing him go around the aircraft, just like you would in a... Cessna one seventy two during you know for pilot pri- or private pilot uh, training, I, I, I just like okay I, easy I, I'm going to be one of him eventually I'm not going to fly those but uh you know eventually I'm going to become a private pilot and it was kind of refreshing and interesting to see that from that perspective but whether you're into flying or not you definitely enjoy the uh, the, the the film overall I think it was just pure entertainment. Like old school adventure, I thought. I thought it was just great in that regard, and I do think you're right. It, it will inspire a lot of would be pilots or military folks that might want to give this a go. And like, hey, that looks like uh, something I would like to pursue. But uh, but I don't know. I, and I was even talking to someone after the film uh, who had a kid was trying to figure out, you know, what are they going to do with their life? They just graduated college. I was like, hey, man, you need to. Uh, Send them into pilot school. I mean, they're, they're like jonesing for more pilots. I mean, you just saw how much fun it can be with the film. And, uh, and then all of a sudden I see this news report that the, what pilot unions put out this thing. There is no pilot shortage. Cause that's what I was telling him. I was like, Hey man, he could go out of uh, pilot school and he'll, he'll make thousands of dollars cause they're so uh, short on pilots right now. But the pilots union came out this week and said, well, that's not really true. It's mismanagement of the airlines. That's, there's not really a pilot shortage. They're just not managing the pilots we have properly. I'm like, what? Where did this come from? And what do we know about this, Dennis?
2: Well, you got to remember that that was coming out of the Air, or the airline pilots association. Yeah. They, you know, they are the major union representing airlines and, you know, they're trying to defend their position and, you know, argue that there's really not a shortage. But in reality, there really is. I mean, when you take a look at it, there's right now, there's there's just simply not enough pilots for airlines to realize the capacity plans they're having to cancel flights. I mean, just over the weekend, several hundred uh, flights were canceled by Delta right. and other airlines as well yeah. because they just don't have the staff to keep up with it. So, you know, an airline pilots association trying to say, well, that's an airline management problem. It's like, no, the management's got the ability to sell the tickets that we don't have the bodies to fly them. Yeah. the bigger part of it is how many years does it take to get a pilot through the pipeline with the 1500 hour rule you're looking at you know a four-year college degree and probably two more years of pilot training outside that to get your ratings and build up the experience to be able to even qualify for an ATP certificate well so, I guess
1: the union is just trying to position themselves like hey we don't really need more pilots we want to keep our salaries uh, going up maybe I don't know if that's
2: a well department. that's probably also department ammunition to keep from raising the retirement age
1: well okay uh, There's a few little factors like that in play, I think. But, yeah, I think there's definitely still a pilot shortage and uh, definitely many opportunities if you want to pursue that particular career. All right, more coming up on Just Plane Radio. Just Plane Radio,
0: the show devoted exclusively to flying and the aviation lifestyle.
2: Who dares approach the great and powerful Roz?
1: Uh, Dennis, uh, Hangar 18 down the street. Silence! The great and powerful Roz knows why you have come. Okay, uh, some spark plug wires and washers for my Mooney 201? Silence! The magnificent Roz has every intention of granting your request. Great! But first, you must prove yourself worthy by bringing me a stick from a Cirrus vision jet. You know, I'm not a fan of the whole flying monkey thing i think i'm going to call aircraft spruce and specialty oh, okay you got me uh, just a man behind the curtain with an aircraft spruce catalog pretty cool though huh
0: you don't need a wizard to find parts for your plane you need aircraft spruce and specialty supplying the aviation industry for over 50 years aircraft spruce and specialty call 877-4-SPRUCE 877-4-SPRUCE or go to aircraft that's aircraft spruce.com plane radio the show devoted exclusively to flying and the aviation lifestyle
1: hold on he's flying the plane it's an autopilot i say these hands were takeoffs and landings i mean does a surgeon do the middle of an operation yes you don't know you're fine Is Just Plane Radio Greg your co pilot? That's me, law Captain Dennis. We're your crew for Just Plane Radio, the show devoted to the aviation lifestyle and learning to fly. We're going to talk about an update on my flying adventures here in just a bit. We'll get to it because I have made some progress, even over a holiday weekend, which we're going to get into here in just a bit. I promise. But we got to follow up on this latest. Uh, I don't know, conundrum. I guess it's not a conundrum, but the Pilots Unions Association has come out and said there is not a pilot shortage, which we've been talking about for at least the last year or two, uh, or maybe even longer. Uh, You know, everybody's been saying this, and all of a sudden they put out this, uh you know story that oh there's really not a pilot shortage it's a, a management issue with the airlines i'm like what where did this come from wait why, why are they throwing this out there uh i don't know maybe to k- keep their salaries going up or there ha there obviously is a reason that they're going against all common sense <laughs> or logic that you look at all the numbers because it just doesn't add up from what we see is that right dennis
2: yeah. I mean, the numbers that we're looking at here and these are their numbers. So that, you know, that's a method or a, a case of lying with statistics, but <laughs> you know, they're trying to argue that, you know, we have about 2,500 pilots a year that are aging out of, you know, they hit that 65 limit. Okay. Yeah. That's so that's 2,500 pilots. The problem is the FAA has only issued 6,500 pilot certificates in a year. So according to the ALPA, that's a surplus of 4,000 pilots. Yeah, that looks nice on a pie chart until you realize that not all of those 6,500 private pilot certificates that we've issued are going to become a captain that just retired at the top of their game. I mean, it takes 2,500 hours of experience to even qualify for an ATP captain.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: So, you know, hiring has been ridiculous at the major airlines. Uh, it's at a, They said in the last six months, the major airlines have hired over 5,300 pilots. Let's go back to that other number. We only certified sixty five hundred t- pilots in total in six months. They've already hired five thousand three hundred, and they're still canceling flights. Yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah,
1: so it, something doesn't add up right there. I, I don't really understand.
2: There's an agenda at play here. Yeah, somewhere.
1: what the motivation is with this, but obviously they're they're trying to position uh, some argument, wh- whether it's to extend the the retirement age. Uh, that the union maybe is pushing for or something. Uh, Who knows? Or maybe they just want to keep the salaries way up or keep going higher and higher because it just makes pilots more in demand if there's less of them. I don't know. Well,
2: and and you know what? I'm all for that. Uh, Mm -hmm. You know, it takes a lot of training and a lot of responsibility, you know, to become an airline pilot. Right. And, you know, I think they do need to be compensated for that. They should.
1: They should. should. But it seems like at the moment they are. I mean, uh, the airlines cannot hire Enough people, yeah. I mean, there was another story. I saw Alaska Airlines put out a statement saying, hey, look, uh, there is definitely a a pilot shortage, uh, and every one we hire— We get poached by other carriers. The bigger carriers are poaching our pilots, and we can't keep the pipeline uh, going strong enough. So, I don't know. Is that a model problem with the, you know, low-cost carriers? And they're going to have this issue, and that would include, obviously, like, you know, JetBlue, Frontier, Spirit, which has a tenant- you know, they all have this tendency. To, they kind of are like the entry-level airlines for the pilots that are looking to get more hours and maybe have less experience. It's a, a generalized type of comment, but that's a well, fair statement, isn't
2: it? There is. I mean, there's a flow within aviation, as as we all know. You get your private pilot license, you work on your commercial, your instrument, that kind of stuff. You become a CFI why? Because you need to get hours to be able to get a job flying charter or anything like that. Mm-hmm. You start to build that experience. You now become eligible for those airline jobs, and you wind up going to work for somebody like a SkyWest or a Republic, You know, one of these uh, basically uh, commuter airlines or a regional carrier. right? And that's where you get your jet time. That's what's important for the major carriers, the so United, Delta... You know, Sun Country, all those, well, actually, Sun Country is technically on the lower end, but they're, you know, they're a low-cost carrier. But still, you have to get that, it's PIC jet time that's really important to be able to get a job in a major airline. right? So, as these guys get that experience, they become, they they look to see, and the the major airlines are trying to fill holes, and so they're grabbing the guys as soon as they get the experience. Mm -hmm. What does that leave you downstream? There's a big vacuum that's sucking up. All that talent. How do you get your flight training? You're you're stuck with me because I'm the only one that's still sticking around. Because I'm not really in a position to go to work for an airline. I'm flying because I enjoy it because it's a challenge for me to teach people, especially you. Well, okay, you know that's beside the point. Uh, (laughs) But you, you see the problem. You know, my son's a perfect example. He's in that right now right he's building that experience and as soon as he gets the hours uh you know they're going to be looking for him and throwing offers out and enticing him to come somewhere else and it's in his best interest to do it because he's barely making a living right now as a flight instructor i mean it's surprising how little they pay it's you know only slightly better than taco bell yeah
1: but you're doing what you love
2: (laughs) exactly right but the reward is down the road but Mm -hmm. that's the problem you know you need people don't respect aviation as a profession at least initially they They don't seem to think to need to pay a lot for it, yeah, and yet it's extremely valuable
1: but i mean but they are changing that model a little bit with the major yeah. carriers are are doing sign on bonuses if you know that type of thing and there there's some huge opportunities out there to really make a ton of money. Uh, even but we quicker. also
2: need to make the incentives lower stream too. We need to keep yeah. people around in those other areas. Otherwise, you're going to have, you know, the the business jets. Where are they getting their pilots from? It's the right. same pool, mm-hmm. you know. Sure. So if you want a net jets or you know any of these other carriers, they also need have a need for pilots. We need to be able to retain them there. The local FBO, the and flight schools, they need to retain flight instructors. And so if, if they're losing them every six months to a year, they have to keep refreshing in their pool and they don't have the experience to draw on then. They don't, you know, they've only been teaching a year at that particular flight school and they're off to an airline.
1: Sure. And you you don't know, you know, what's going on with a lot of the carriers. The aviation industry is is definitely in flux, especially you look at something like the Spirit JetBlue frontier acquisition situation that's going on right now. I mean, if you're a new pilot and you got the hours and you have, have the interest of any of those airlines, you're like, oh, crap, what do I do? I don't know which one I should go with, or should I avoid it altogether? It's a it's a tough. Well, if they thing get their navigate. way, <laughs>
2: yeah. one of the three is going away. You know, Spirit well, and Frontier wrong. are merging. Right. JetBlue is trying to appeal to the shareholders at the other airlines to, uh, you know, to not take the offer of Frontier and right. They, you know, well, which so. one
1: would you go with if you're a pilot and you and you uh, have enough hours and you have their interest that that would you got that dilemma. Yeah,
2: yeah. <laughs> You know, well, it really comes down to who's got the best contract. And right well, now, right. from what I hear, Spirit's actually got one of the newer agreements and some of the better stuff out there. So well, go with them, and hopefully your new acquiring airline will uh, keep that in The bottom
1: line is you have options, and that's a good thing uh, right now, for sure, if you're an aspiring young pilot. More coming up. Stay close.
0: Just Plane Radio, the show devoted exclusively to flying and the aviation
1: lifestyle. Imagine traveling twice as fast as you can drive.
0: Just Plane Radio, the show devoted exclusively to flying and the aviation lifestyle. Get off my plane.
1: This is Just Plane Radio. I just got back into it. Come on. That's not very nice. Greg, your co-pilot. That's me along with Captain Dennis. All right. So here's the update. I have uh, submitted my uh, medical application to the FAA again, finally, after uh, a little consultation with Dr. Bush there in Kissimmee, Florida. And uh, he gave me a a clean bill of health. He said, oh, you look easy. Oh, sure, you got this little thing with a one-way bypass you had back in, you know, 2016. But other than that, you're healthy as a horse. I'm not really quoting him on that, but that's more or less what he said, Dennis he said you're good you you're, you're going to be an easy case he's he's used to working with much more difficult situations he said you should be a cakewalk
2: and and that's exactly the 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 analysis he gave me when I first talked to him about your situation at Sun and Fun and pretty much what he told us too on the air so that it's great yeah. we finally got you in you made the appointment the paperwork is now in the FAA's hands so now it's on their schedule right and once we can get over that hurdle, Greg, there's nothing stopping you. Yeah, well, I'm sure you'll find a bunch of things, but you he, know, at least said, logistically, we're out of the woods.
1: Right, we're on. We are on FAA time now. So for every, what is it? Every hour is seven hours in FAA time, or every year,
2: every week is a month. You know, it's kind of like you know. Yeah, Mr. Scott's estimates on Star Trek, right? Yes. You know, double it and add add four. That's how you can keep the miracle worker thing going. Yeah, right, right.
1: But yeah, he was, um, you know, he he thought that yeah, this seems pretty easy. He goes, let's go ahead and get your application filled out again, which I was already in the system from you know my my time of training before, which was like I don't know, ten years ago. Uh, but, but I resubmitted, went through the application, filled it out, submitted it, and he said, "What well, we're going to do, because you're going to have to get this special issuance for your heart bypass sur- surgery. I had a one-way bypass. Didn't even get a three-way out of it. Da-dum.
2: So you only get three ways at Skyline Chili. Yes,
1: exactly. But uh, regardless um he he said okay you know you are gonna have to get this special issue and so they're gonna want probably a stress test this or that he goes but this is what we're gonna do we're gonna submit the application and then we're gonna wait for them to reply on exactly what they want me to do which what could be a you know some kind of stress test with a you know bruce protocol or whatever you know they got their standard stuff and he said honestly chances are it's going to be old school type stuff. So when you go into your cardiologist, which actually I have an, I have a checkup next week, he said uh, just give him heads up, but don't tell him too much because they'll say, well, we'll give you the latest test and da da da. Because he said chances are the FAA is going to come back and ask for some test that your current cardiologist is going to say, oh that that's uh, you don't really need that. That's uh, we got something way better. And you have to give them exactly what they ask, or they will just get, they'll flip out. That was his uh, his observation or his suggestions on how we're going to handle this. So he said, let's turn it in and see what they spit back at us and what they require you to do. And then as long as you give them exactly what they say, you'll be fine. And he goes, that's how it works. He said, it's not rocket science. It's just like, you just got to give them exactly what they ask. And sometimes it seems pretty easy. And pretty straightforward, and sometimes you're, you're. it's a head-scratcher. And you're like, okay, why do you need this? This doesn't really answer any questions, or this is old technology, or an old test, or blah, blah, blah. He goes, but if that's what they say they want, just give them what they want, and you'll be fine. So that's the latest on getting that part done for a third-class medical.
2: That's what I'm going for. You're right? getting the special issuance for your third-class medical.
1: Correct. So the process is underway. We're just waiting to hear back from the
2: FAA now. So well, it
1: could be another month. I don't know. We'll, we'll see what
2: happens. Time will tell. Well, the good news is you at least have something you can do in the meantime instead of just sitting around waiting, and that is to continue working on your ground school. Right,
1: and I have been. I've been doing my sporties uh, ground school classes, watching the videos, answering the quiz. I just did the latest one right before we started the show today.
2: 13 out of 13, baby. All right. Yeah. Well, you got a total of 16 hours of videos to watch, and you're at about just over three hours. So,
1: Really? Is that all? Crap. Yeah. Okay. Well, it's a start. Baby <laughs> steps. It is a start. Baby steps. You know, I, I, I had to take time out to go see Top Gun Maverick and uh,
2: get another. That does not count towards the rating, but, but it is required viewing. It. Yes. It's inspiration. It's motivation. Yes.
1: And, uh, you know, so Tom Cruise gave me a little pep talk. He was talking right at me. That's how, how I took it. And uh, you know, he you says, might,
2: show us some of that pilot stuff, Greg. That's
1: right. That's right. You need the need. I need the need for speed. I feel the need. Yeah, the so, need for speed. You no, know, they yeah. didn't have that uh, quote in the new one. I was kind of surprised.
2: I, I was really having a hard time. I was looking for some sort of a new memorable quote out of there, yeah. I, and I think the only one that I found, and it really applies to you, is just don't think.
1: <laughs> oh, okay. All right, there's that. I do that just all do, the time. Just don't think, yeah. So that,
2: that, that's probably going to be the new quote when it, you know in aviation okay. to use that with your examiner and your instructor. But uh, yeah, they didn't. There was just so many memorable quotes in the first one that mm-hmm. I, I doubt we'll ever get through them all.
1: Well, uh, yeah, that, that is true. But but it was motivation, and so I kind of you know, and plus it was a holiday, so I took a little break and uh and, and I focused on getting that medical process started, so I got that with Dr. Bush and Kissimmee. I tell you what, the airport down there where he's located is impressive, and they have all those what p fifty ones down there yeah
2: stallion fifty one is based right there yeah. so yeah that's uh if you want to get your you know mustang ride you know bucket list thing and go fly in a p fifty one that's the place to go do it
1: yeah, and it's dr bush a v doc right there next to him matter of fact i was filling out my application and all of a sudden you said and you hear Zoom! he's right next to the repair shop or you know the repair facility for for those uh classic aircraft and uh you know i looked down from the we were on the second level and you could look down at i working on the planes and they had they were doing some kind of run-up on, on one of them and it was like ooh, that's pretty cool so it's a neat place you know so uh anyway uh he's going to come back on the air here probably in next week or two and what you know you've heard my synopsis of what he said but I'll let him speak for himself after he's had a little time to digest the thing but the, the good news was he looked at me and said yeah okay you're you're normal you look pretty uh pretty healthy and um you know despite what i've heard on the radio uh, you might be okay <laughs> so uh he So you, know, you got that going for you I I I do I I took that as a win and um, so we, we will see. So I, I am well on uh, my way. Uh, I got my sporties class going. and uh, but, I, I, but I can't do any, well, we can do some flight training if I get far enough in the class, I guess, right? If you actually, want to be my flight
2: instructor. You can do anything except the solo stuff right now. So yeah. one so of the can- things that you and I need to do is actually sit down with your logbook. And preferably I'd like to get you to put everything online, like into my flight book where we can have a digital record of it and instantly be able to see I've got these many flights and that I've got this many night landings, all yep. this kind of stuff. Because mm-hmm. it's easy to track, but we can do it manually yep. by just going going through your logbook and adding it all up. Well, the other but I problem think we is we need to figure out is where you left off with you know, with Ed and Keith right. and kind of come up with a new plan. Well, but,
1: we gotta do that, but we also gotta find an airplane. We well, figure out I, I, we're I may train.
2: have a way to do some of that. um How so? well, well I'm, I'm, I'm making some progress here in the neighborhood. I'm how talking are you? to some friends. All right. Okay. So we'll you, you got
1: some folks there at the air park that might I, be I might be able to. to risk their aircraft.
2: We'll see. Okay. Uh, no promises, but right. you know it may be an option. And we're you know we can always go to Ed and Keith. You know, I I just need to go check out on their airplane with them again because it's been a hot minute since I've flown a 172 with a Garmin in it. Right. But, yeah. Um,
1: well, they yeah, flight training professionals has some aircraft that we could rent and that kind of thing. So they they have their fleet of uh, Cessna 172s and s- Sky Catchers still. So we we have options, but yeah,
2: yeah you but know. But even even so, um, I could put you in the Mooney and we could go out and do some hood work. Um, do some practice landings and things like that. I mm-hmm. mean, I i don't really want to teach in the Mooney because it's a little bit much for you know a private pilot to start with. But right? Well, we, we just to,
1: we just go play, know. get some flight time. Yeah, exactly. Start there, baby steps. Uh, speaking of this air park that uh, Dennis lives in in Fort Myers, by the way, or we have a listener that had some questions. We'll talk about that next. We're just playing radio.
0: Actually, we're going to take off soon, so we're going to need you to turn off your phone. I'm actually not done talking, and two more.
1: This is Just Plane Radio. Greg, your co pilot. That's me, Loa Captain Dennis. Okay, so uh, we got an email from a listener. Uh, there is one, at least, out there. and Actually, uh,
2: two, because his wife listens as well.
1: Okay, well, hey, we'll take it. And uh, thanks, Mom. Uh, well, no, wait, this is a different one. This isn't a relative. No, no, nope. no. We get them quite a bit. We try to respond to them as uh, quickly and as efficiently and, uh, you know, as much as we can. We we read every single, uh, comment we get, uh, we may not be able to reply to everything, but this was a, a special one. It was more specific asking, uh, Dennis where he lived. I don't know if it was, uh, like a stalkerish type of thing. It's like, I, I want to find you. I'm going to find you. Where do you live? No, it wasn't one of those.
2: No, I think he'd already found that based on the email. He had uh, actually was uh, going down to Naples to go watch Top Gun in 4DX. Because like you, he had to go watch it in the most immersive experience. right? And on the way back, they were driving through Fort Myers, you know, kind of just looking at the neighborhood. And um, he thought he maybe found the air park that I live in. But his bigger question to us and the reason he sent us the email was just like, how did you find this? You know, he he was a Florida native, born and raised. and he didn't even know that Buckingham existed. Well, I'm sure and you didn't
1: either. Uh, I didn't either. And by the way, we, we need to say his name is Rick. And Rick, thanks for uh, thanks for the question. We'll see if we can uh, cover it as efficiently for you and anyone else uh, picking this up. But yeah, I remember back in the day, you had no plans to uh, move to an air park, but you were looking at the possibility of retiring to Florida, came down here on a trip, and then on you just heard about Buckingham. Uh, airpark, uh, what from a friend or you seen? You saw something online. You're like, yeah I'll dry, go over and check this out or something, right?
2: It, it was quite literally a Reddit post, and yeah. you know, like I like to say that the real information's in the comments on Reddit, not necessarily in the post. But a guy had, you know, simply written an article about how he was uh, put his own hundred low lead tank in in his hangar at his airpark home, and you know, th- I looked into this, and it turns out that uh, he had found the listings. In Barnstormers Magazine, you know the mm. Barnstormers online site, they have a dedicated airpark section, uh-huh. and so of course I had to go look. And at the time, there was a listing for a home with a hangar in Fort Myers, in the price range of what my house in Minnesota was worth. And I showed it to my wife, and she's like, "Well, get it out of your system. Go look at it. I know this is something you've wanted to do ever since you worked at the airport in Duluth and lived behind the office. I get it." Mm-hmm. Um, well, as you know, three months later we. We're in a motorhome driving cross country um, with all of our belongings on a truck somewhere, um, and here we are. Don't regret it, yeah. uh, not at all.
1: Her only prerequisite was it has to have a pool,
2: <laughs> right. and she got what she wanted. She I got it. what I wanted. Right, more or less happy,
1: win-win, no doubt. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, you're looking at potentially, rec- you know, retiring down in Florida. Uh, you know, probably about five years. But when right. we Once the kids like, were
2: out of school, yeah. that was kind of our plan. And, you know, mm-hmm. we were looking at Central Florida because it was probably more affordable. The traffic wasn't going to be as bad as Tampa or Orlando or definitely Miami. But I wanted to be somewhere where I could fly and somewhere where I could dive. Well, I, I really hadn't put Fort Myers on the radar. It was the listing. It was this house, the air park that really turned me on. Mm-hmm. So... For anybody else that wants to follow that, I mean, obviously, look at Buckingham. We have houses coming up for sale, but there's other air parks here in Fort Myers. There's Pine Shadows. There's one down by Naples. There's a lot of smaller. If you're into more backcountry flying, there's a several uh, just outside of uh, this area that are little grass strips on the Caloosahatchee River. So you can have yeah. the best of both worlds. You well,
1: know? the nice thing about Buckingham is that it's a former air, what air, uh, army gunnery
2: base right so, so they, the the runway is
1: massive it's almost yeah. as wide as it is long
2: it's, <laughs> it's not pretty close yeah it's yeah. 400 feet wide it's
1: crazy but yeah. uh but yeah it's a massive runway i mean when i went and visited dennis the first time after he got settled in i was like oh my gosh this is really awesome whether you're a pilot or not it's a cool area cuz it you know you you're uh, not really yeah you know, i mean you kind of have a a little bit of that out country vibe but you're like 5 minutes away from the grocery store and everywhere else it's a short drive to civilization but you are you, you do feel a little bit out there which is nice it makes it more pleasant you know
2: yeah, you're definitely away from everything yet close to everything. Right. That's what I really like about it.
1: And you got your airplane, you know, you pull it right into your garage or
2: we... No, would say, my hangar. Right. I put the car in the yeah. hangar too. I don't have a garage.
1: Well, that is true, but I'm just saying it's so big, it's, it's impressive. And that's what I'm saying. Even if you didn't have an aircraft and you wanted to, you know, move to Florida... I, I was like, gosh, look at all the room in his hangar. This is amazing. This would be pretty cool to have, whether you have an airplane or not. So, you know, that that's just bonus. It'd be hard not to, I think. I think, yeah. and, and matter of fact, Rick even mentions uh, in his email that he is not a pilot, but it's on his list of things to do. And maybe this might be, you know, something he looks at and then potentially gets his, uh, his pilot's license after he were to move to an air park, you think?
2: Very possibly. I mean, you can't help but be inspired and motivated when you see the guys leaving every Wednesday and Saturday morning, just flying out for breakfast or just the people taxiing down the road, going to do whatever it is that they're doing that day. I mean, I have a couple of uh, people here in the air park that I'm helping train. I have a, a student pilot, uh, yeah. the son of one of my neighbors, who is just about ready to get his private ticket. He too is working on his ground school. Uh, we only have really one or two more dual lessons to do, and I would probably be able to sign him off for his check ride. So he's getting really close. Another neighbor uh, just passed his instrument check ride here about two weeks ago. Um, you know, he'd been working on it for quite a while, and I came to the airpark, and he's like, "I hear you're an instructor and can do instrument stuff." And so we sat down, and you know, I got him over the hurdle. And actually, Captain Ed was his examiner. How awesome was that?
1: Well, there you go. It's a small world. But, but, you is. know, even if you were to move in an ar- air park like this and you weren't a, pi- a pilot, all you have to do is befriend your neighbors. <laughs> and you could be uh, their uh, parasitic drag uh, in no time. You know what I mean? And you'd be flying around as a buddy. Like, hey, man, you want to fly up to Arcadia for tacos? Yeah, let's go. I got it's uh, The plane's gassed it, up. Let's go. Yeah, it's not a bad life. It is not a bad life at all. So, uh, Rick, my advice to you is if you're seriously considering – Ah, uh, moving to an air park and doing uh, what you allude to. and uh, Buckingham would be a good option. I can vouch for what I've seen. I would consider it, whether I was becoming a pilot or not, uh, it, it's a cool little place. And Dennis, you it, could it, use another
2: neighbor, right? It wouldn't buy I you. could yeah. and you know, if anybody is interested in the air park life, uh, you know you can reach out to us through the uh, through the radio show, through the website. Um, I can put you in touch with one or two, you know, there's a couple of realtors here in the airpark that are actual neighbors and they specialize in airpark homes. So it's not just Buckingham. They know what's available in all of the other airparks around the area as well and can, you know, answer a lot of those questions. So if you're serious about it and looking for it, I can certainly, you know, point you in the right direction.
1: Right. And the price might surprise you. I know it surprised Dennis. Well, lately
2: the prices might surprise you, but not in a good way. But that's just that's that's real estate in general, right? Yeah. But I mean,
1: as far as thinking like, oh, I could never afford a home in an air park. You'd be it's not you know crazy expensive, uh, or is not as much as you know I would have thought when you started looking.
2: When I first even thought about these air park homes you know i was looking at like cameron park out in california which was just you know just up the road from the air force base i was stationed at Mm -hmm. there was no way i could afford something like that or spruce creek over by daytona beach you know you needed seven figures minimum to be able to look at something like that right and here buckingham is more of a middle-class neighborhood yeah it was
1: i mean it's it's not don't don't give me it's not dirt cheap but it's not as crazy expensive as as you think it might be and you still have like i said you're out uh, a little bit but just enough to you know enjoy the country i think uh when you know if you consider uh florida you know, it's flat. You know, I th- say well, country, I think hills
2: and everything. We don't have that, but he's just down no, just But I do have bit. to go past Cow's right, to get cows, to the grocery store, but yeah, we are only talking. It's 10 minutes to get to Publix, yeah. Winn and a McDonald's. I and, mean, uh, 10 you're not that far away.
1: And a 10 minute flight to uh, Taco Tuesday. Arcadia, exactly.
2: Yeah, so there you go.
1: So, Rick, take advantage of it. Go buy a home in an air park. You'll thank us later, and then that'll give me one more place that I could go bump somebody's aircraft off of once he becomes a pilot. And on that note, we'll wrap it up. Till next time, remember, there's no better high than learning to fly.
0: Just Plane Radio is brought to you by JustplaneRadio.com. I say we take off and nuke the entire site for more than your aviation resource on the Information Super Skyway. It's the only way to be sure. Just Plane Radio is a production of Overboard Entertainment Incorporated. But just plain raw. Remember, you can listen live or to archives of past shows worldwide over the internet at JustplaneRadio.com. I'm gonna leave my people up to the radio tower. So tell a friend and take off every week with Just Plane Radio. And I'm gonna make a call. The show devoted exclusively to flying